Okay, six pack lap of that. This is the European recap show, and we're gonna have uh, some quick highlights also from the Asian Championships, what happened at the exact same time. So it's a pretty big weekend for powerlifting in the IPF. Um, we previously had gotten requests, we'll put it, to give more European highlight, more international highlight, not just US Raw Nationals, not just the World Championships. And this European Championship, and by the way, I got my man, Jason Tremblay from the Strength Guys. Um, coach and Strength Guys, obviously, one of the top coaching services. You're going to see in powerlifting, very familiar, and a very exhaustive scouting report by this young man, I can tell you right now. So, um, yeah, looking at these European Championships, and I think you'd agree, uh, if any of the North Americans were sleeping on the Europeans, they're missing out. Because we saw some world, world records fall, not just in the individual events, but also in the totals and looking ahead at the world championships, we could have some more European champions taking the world championships as well. Yeah, it was a, a really noteworthy week for powerlifting in the IPF last week because really we had uh, a significant percentage of the competitors to wind up being at Worlds uh, from some of the top Asian competitors and top European competitors compete. Uh, so we got to see our first glimpse of them on the international platform since uh, since Worlds now, which was uh, which is in June, which yeah, months away. So now we're on to the next one, and uh, there's a lot of really good, um, really good performances that we saw, uh, particularly down in uh, in Asia. We're starting with the Asian Championship. Uh, Clinton Lee won best lifter of the entire tournament in a pretty dramatic fashion. Um, he had his third attempt squat in competition with uh, Yakov Ianen of Kazakhstan turned down. Uh, Clinton had initially hit 270 and a half kilos, uh, two to one, but the call got overturned, ended up missing his third bench press and came in the deadlift. Uh, I think the previous best was around 292 and a half kilos. And he ended up loading up 307 and a half kilos on the bar uh, for the win. And he made it. And uh, that left him with an IPF points of 814, which is significant as we look ahead to how the uh, podium at the Sheffield SBB Invitational is going to pan out. So, uh, that's what I found was most notable on Asia. And uh, I guess now we'll go through Europeans. Well, you know what? Even before we, we jump ahead... Okay, so 8.14, but just to let you know how good the, the Asian battle in the 74 kilo was, um, Yakov from Kazakhstan had a 7.27.5 total in an 8.13 IPF points. I mean, that is 8.14 IPF points to 8.13 IPF points, literally neck and neck. I mean, there was a battle in Asia at the Asian Championships. And if you look at um, how the American, the U.S. Raw Nationals, a lot of times... You know, you don't, you, obviously America is the biggest powerhouse in powerlifting, but you might forget to look outside of America to, to see what other lifters are out there. These fellas would have done damage at U.S. Raw Nationals as well. 830 kilo, I mean, we're right there. 814 IPF points, and Clinton Lee will be going to the IPF, uh, or sorry, the SBD Invitational. You know, he will be going yeah. there in the Champion of Champions Tournament. Um, I'm glad he got a chance to win an international competition. There's international judging. 
Um, so it makes it a little more nerve-wracking for these fellows because it's not when it's at your nationals, in terms of squat depth, pausing, etc. They don't they care not when it's not your countrymen. You know, they, they care not. So it, the judging tends to be a whole lot less impartial. You know, they, so, um, yeah, it, it's significant. And it's more international exposure for him when he's heading out there to the uh, SPD Invitational. But, uh, yeah, so, I, I mean, uh, overall, the Asian Championships, it wasn't quite the the uh, the same caliber as the European Championships. But speaking of, now, let, let's, when, when we're talking about the Europeans, we're going to go division by division here. But before we do that, let's do our best in terms of we'll give an MVP, we'll give a most improved, and we'll give a person to watch. And uh, excuse me, pardon me one second, my friend. All right, there we go. Uh, yeah, so we'll give an MVP, we'll give a most improved, and we'll give a uh, person to watch. Do you want to do men's or women's first? I'm going to let you decide. Uh, we can go women's first. Ladies first. Oh, a gentleman. Oh, a gentleman. Ladies first. Okay. All right. Um, do you want me to go first, sir? Sure, you can lead it off. Uh, let me kick it off for us. So, for... I would say for most improved. And I don't think I'm going to be... We, we might have the same on this one. Um, I'm just going to pull up. You'll probably have more stats here. Because you're a stats man. But uh, what Angelina Ilovakov did from Russia, um, from being, I believe she was fifth at the, at the World Championships with a 520, which is very respectable. That's world class. I mean, the 72 kilos at the world, IPF World Championships, by far the most stacked division um, in the women's and if not all of the championships, men or women's, it was so stacked. One to five, 520 can win you the worlds. I mean, it was, it was phenomenal. And um, so she came in fifth, but it was it was a solid, strong fifth. Coming into this, for her to hit, first off, a world record 203.5 squat, and then finish off with a 543.5 total. If you're wondering the significance there, that is a world record total. Um, an 888.87 IPF points, which is monstrous. We're just shy of 900 IPF points. Um, we might see 2020, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but Kimberly Walford, who has had a dynasty in powerlifting, never lost a Raw Nationals, never lost a World Championship, undefeated at Raw Nationals, undefeated at International Championships, and it looks like the young Russian might be the one to do it. And she did this, look it, she didn't do this at a national, she didn't do this at a local competition. You know, she didn't do that when, uh, in her home country where the judges want to see her have a big squat. You want to see her do well. Now, she did this at an international competition where it's international judging and they care not, right? There's no emotional attachment. You're not the country woman. And she put up a world record total like that. And in terms of the improvement, she went from a, a top fiver to the greatest 72 kilo performance we've ever seen. That's yeah. where, look, at if she had podiumed in Sweden, if she had, you know, I mean, I, not that we weren't looking her way in Sweden, but she just wasn't, I never got the sense that she was going to overly threat. I thought she was going to have a good showing, and she did, but I wasn't really looking her way in terms of threatening like that. Now I am. Not only threatening, but possibly taking the world title. It did that in since June, and we're now in December. Um, so, for me, 
That is the most improved. Um, do you want to go most improved? We'll go. We'll go. We'll. I, I want to do that. Uh, that in national, Lavakova total 56 kilos left than she did last week at the European Championship. So in the span of, we're looking at eight months, we got a 56 kilos to her total. Went from very respectful in that weight class to the best performance that we've seen in that weight class ever. Yeah. That's some progress. And definitely deserving of most improved. But I want to make an argument for uh, another woman who had a fantastic day, and that is uh, Leah Bavol of France, who also came in. Leah started the meet with an 193-kilo world record squat, followed that up with a 105-kilo bench, and then finished off her day 9-9 with a 216-kilo conventional deadlift for European record. And that also gives her the total record of 514. Now, Worlds, you have to keep in mind that she placed third to both Sam Calhoun and Pearl Agara of Italy. But now, heading into Worlds this year, we may have to look at Leah as the favorite. Um, so let, so she let, came out. You know what? This is a perfect. This, this this is a big. This is a perfect segue, my friend. Um, to say, looking ahead to Worlds. She is, one of our categories is who to watch for at the Worlds. She is the person I picked to watch out for at the Worlds from this European Championship. For all the things you just said. Yeah, I think you can go uh, either way between her and Angelina. Um, I'm going to go with Leah, just to disagree with you, Ryan. For most improved? I think both of them were uh, fantastic performances and uh, really excited to see where both of these competitors go in the future. Mm-hmm. So here's, here's the reason why I would lean towards Angelina. Um, Leah was already in the top three at Worlds in, in breaking world records and in the mix, whereas Angelina, I feel like, not to say she I was overlooking her, but I just wasn't looking her way in terms. I never thought she'd be capable of this. Leah, I had a hint. Leah, I knew going into next, before this European Championship, going into next Worlds, I was already looking Leah's way, if I'm honest. And I think... Looking in, looking at the 2020 Worlds, you were probably telling yourself, yeah, you better watch out for Leah. But looking into the 2020 Worlds, I doubt you were saying as what you'd be saying now about Angelina. If you're honest, I don't think neither one of us would be like, everybody better watch out for Angelina. She's probably the favorite. That's a huge jump ahead. Um, Leah, I, if not the favorite, I would have been like, yeah, she's in the mix. Now, having said that, this is, let's segue this. In terms of why Leah is my my girl to watch for the 2020, um, so first off, Gara won the European or sorry the World Championships from Italy, and then Sam Calhoun at the U.S. Raw Nationals posted a 5.11 total, and 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 not on the world scene, not on the international scene, on the national scene. So it's an unofficial world record, but unofficial or not, what Leah did posting a 5.14 is the greatest 63 kilo performance we'd ever seen. And she looked like she had a little more in the tank. And by the way, she did that on the international scene. Whereas international judging, you know, you get you get no home cooking or nothing. Not the same Calhoun needed home cooking for her 5'11". But there's a difference. When you got to travel and it's international and you know, you, it's just different. Everybody knows that. In um, 5'14", the greatest total we had ever seen on the 63 kilo class. And um, if I was going to pick, 
who you better watch out for. Leah looks like she's 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 going to be. It's going to be tough to beat her. You know, I feel like in terms of room for improvement, she's got a lot of room for improvement, and um, and she's young, and this is just the beginning. Now, I'm not counting out Sam. I'm not counting out Gara, but neither one of them were at these European Championships. And of the lifters at the European Championships is what we're talking. Who to watch out for at the 2020 Worlds. And of the lifters, you better keep your eye on her. She broke two world records and she's fitting to break more and I think she's good for it. Um, so who is the person that you think you we should look out for at the 2020 Worlds or is it the same person? I'm going to go with Lop Kola on this one uh, ah. for the simple reason that we flipped <laughs> uh, since March. And if that's her rate of adaptation, not just for uh, local or national level competitions, but uh, the world championship and the European championship, really intrigued to see where she goes next with, uh, with another six months of training here for Worlds. So, uh, I'm going to go with Angelina, and then Leah's right there in second is uh, person to watch. And I also wanted to give a, uh, a special mention to a uh, particularly impressive uh, Italian lifter who goes by the name Sarah Mazzantini. Uh, Sarah ended up hitting a 26-and-a-half-kilo PB to place second ahead of uh, Ida Ron in this weight class. Uh, so I thought that was a pretty significant improvement from her previous best. Um, I, I looked her up on Instagram. She's got the bill for it, and she's going to be able to watch in the future. Yeah, I mean, 517.5, again, that plays on the international field as well. I mean, she, she's, she's well, this is an international field, but I mean, at the Worlds when everybody's invited, not just the Europeans. Um, yeah, sounds good. Okay, so we, we split it. And look, that we, we kind of, we chose the exact opposites, but still got we're talking about the same people. I think we could both be leaning towards either which way. If you want to tell me, ah, I think you better watch out for Angelina at 2020 Worlds. Yeah, all right, no, that's for sure. And, and probably the vice versa as well in terms of most improved. Um, now let's talk about who the MVP is for the women. Now let me, I'll go first, sir. Just so everybody knows, if you're looking at team points, first off, um, in terms of who actually won best lifter, Leah Bavois won best lifter. Um, Angelina got second, and Ivana Horna got uh, third. And Ivana Horna, obviously, a former world champion, and came in second uh, to Leah Bavois in the 63 kilo. 63 kilo was a hell of a battle. Team France won the overall in terms of team points, followed by Great Britain and then Russia. So I chose my MVP off of the team that won. Because I figured, look it, you got the number one team in the European International Championship. And I wanted to make a concerted effort to not try to choose the same person twice. It's okay, my man, if you did, because it's a hell of an argument. But I wanted to try to choose somebody different to give someone else shine because we're already giving Leah quite a bit. So I chose um, Naomi Alibert from France who won the 52 kilo class, um, posting up an 800 even IPF points, moved up from the 47 kilo class, and um, took the 52 kilo open European championship with a four, 415 kilo total. Um, it's, you know, it's what it, she, she out, she won by a 10 kilo spread, a fairly comfortable spread 
I believe this is her first international open championship. Uh, moving into the 52 kilo class, she's still got a, probably some room to grow. I mean, she was 47 kilo just in June at the World Championships. And uh, so that's why I'm going to choose her, give her a little bit of shine. And she's also something to watch for at the World Championships. Whenever somebody's got a little more room to grow, you can see some rate of adaptation there. But um, I'll give it to her, knowing damn well that in terms of the French team, Leah won a, a broken world record and is the woman to beat in 63 kilo class. But looking to give some other little shines. Who you got, my man? Yeah, I think Naomi's a great pick. I mean, she hit a 22 and a half kilo PB in her mm. uh, second is 52 kilo lifter to this uh, competition. She was sixth in the nominations. So uh, to finish on top convincingly really shows the amount of progress that she's made. Um, I've got to go with Team France lifter, uh, best lifter uh, on the woman's side of the action. I've got to pick uh, Leah Ball. On okay. this one, uh, for the simple reason that by IPF points and by uh, the world standards in her class, there's never been anyone better. She's almost at 900 IPF points. I think her uh, her final score ended up being 897. Yeah, 897! Uh, so that's crazy! Like, that's really historic, uh, unprecedented, and uh, incredible lifting. Uh, from the 63-kilo division from Leah. So uh, hats off to her and hats off to Naomi and hats off to the team champions. Uh, and here's why I would say um, I give it to Naomi as well is going in, oftentimes you're going to lean on these people who are already considered world-class and uh, you know there's going to be a lot of pressure on Leah and certainly she had the most IPF points, etc. But when you take a first... In terms of team points for most valuable player on your team, Team France, you take a first, that's 12 points. You know, it's 12 points off the top first round. doesn't matter by IPF points necessarily when it's for the teams. And um, for Alibert, getting nominated where she was and then coming in first, Team France needed her to jump up the nominations by, you know, five rankings to from sixth to fifth. You got to, like, look, we need you to make a play here. We need you to collect to collect those. She picked up so many points. When you're nominated sixth and you come in first, I mean, all those points you give to your team. Um, so that's where, if I could try to make an argument for her for MVP, but certainly I'm looking at that just to try to choose somebody else as well. But if you're thinking, what was the most dominant performance? If you went just off of singular individual performance, you go with IPF points. Leah... I mean, then Angelina's got a hell of a day too. But yeah, but he'll probably be my pick. But there you have it. So for the women's shakeup, um, we'll do a division by division after this, by the way. But I wanted to get the highlights right off the bat. Let's take a look at the men's. Let's take a look at the gentle, gentle men's from the European Championship. And if I'm going to pick who I believe... You gotta look out for. I'm gonna choose, I'm gonna start first with who I think you should look out for at the 2020 World Championships. Okay, I'll go and then you go. My man will go tit for tat. Okay, I'm gonna go with my man Anatoly from the Ukraine. If for no other reason, he is the reigning world champion, reigning European champion. Already punched his ticket ticket to the U.S. Uh, for the SBD Invitational, and still has to be the man to beat at the World Championships in 2020, and I'll tell you why. 
the international level, this guy has been consistently posting around the 850 mark. Went eight for eight and totaled 853.5 and didn't bother coming out for his last deadlift. Decided, because Gustav, had he hit his third, he would have came out and hit his last deadlift to secure the win. That 853.5 is a world record. That's a world record total. Why didn't he come out for his last deadlift? Because he's going to the SPD Invitational. Why do I better, I already posted a world record right there with my total. Why better it for free like like a sucker? When I'm going to make money for world records at the SPD Invitational, it's silly. The records are, the win is solidified. The world record total solidified. The world record squat solidified. Chill there. If you think he's an 853.5 lifter, good. Kid yourself. My man is way better than that. And no North Americans, Americans should be sleeping on this cat. He hit 850 total a year ago at the Europeans. He's plenty past the 850 range now. Don't sleep on this man. It's been a hot minute since he's lost at the international level. It might be a hot minute further till he loses. He's the returning world champion. And and he hasn't lost at the international level for a couple years now. So he's my man to watch at the 2020 World Championships out of all of these Europeans. And we got a tough field at the European uh, European Championship here. Who is your guy to watch at the 2020 Worlds? Yeah, so I, I think with uh, Anatoly, it's also worth mentioning that uh, he did just break the world record slot with 331. He crushed it. Like, he had kilos left in there. Uh, so he's got some more kilos on his total, uh, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing what he will bring at uh, at the Sheffield Invitational here in March. It's actually going to be a, a young and up-and-coming uh, 105 from Sweden, uh, Neil Morley, junior world champion. Actually ended up uh, posting a higher total than the 105-kilo open world champion, uh, Eli Burks. And I'm one of Eli Burks' coaches. Uh, I can tell you that uh, in these situations where a junior has done something and you're coaching for the win in the open division, whatever the junior's done isn't, isn't a concern for us. So uh, we were about handling our business that day with Eli, uh, securing the W, and there's a little bit of circumstance in there. But nonetheless, that just shows the quality of a meal uh, going into this competition. Uh, out total, the open world champion. And he got even better. Like he went nine for nine, uh, world junior record deadlift of 360 kilos, and a world junior record total of 887 and a half kilos, which will nominate him 15 kilos back from Bryce Lewis uh, heading into this year's uh, world championship. So that's that's going to be a really interesting one to watch out for because uh, Neil's young, and we don't know where his rate of adaptation is going to take him. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what he'll be next in his young powerlifting career. Yeah, here's the thing. My man is super young. He's still a junior. I mean, his gains, his rate of adaptation is going to be high. You know, um, when he's, like, he put on over 20 kilos, a 25-kilo range since June. 25. Since June, put on 25 kilo. My friend, yeah. we, this is December. We got till next June to the Worlds. And he's 15 kilo behind Bryce, who's in his 30s. You know, I mean, I'm, it's it's a going to be, it is 100% conceivable 
that he could surpass Bryce. I'm not, we're not doing our predictions for the Worlds just yet, but if we're looking at his total now and thinking, well, Bryce should still have that. Man, he put on 25 kilos since June, and it's December. We got till next June, and he's a kid. You know, he's, he's, he's just started. Look at his Instagram. Go back three years. He look, he's a baby. He's one of those dudes where you go back to 2015, Bryce looks the damn same. He's a grown man. His rate of adaptation isn't going to be the same. Go back to 2015 for a mil. You won't recognize him. Okay, so in terms of how quickly he's turning over, yeah, man, you better watch ads. Like, he's a dude to watch 100%. I agree. This is a good segue for me um, because I'm actually picking Emil Norlin uh, from Team Sweden as my MVP. Okay, and I'll tell you why. So once again, the team that won was Sweden. And I'm going to pick from Team Sweden because of the team that won. And I'm, I'm obviously going to pick someone from Sweden who collected. When you win your weight class, you collect 12 points for your team, for your international team. And my man, Emil Norland, won, collected 12 points. But wow, but Ryan, a couple people from Sweden won and collected 12 points. Why Emil? Because the 105 class was stacked. One through five through six was tight. You know, there was no walkovers in terms of the 105 class. If I'm looking through this, I mean, there's, there were some good battles throughout. Especially at the top end, the 93 kilo class. Look, okay, Anatoly had to deal with Gustav. But it's kind of a one-two battle. You know, Owen Hubbard and Eric Carlson. Again, kind of a one-two battle. That's a hell of a close battle. But again, a one-two battle. Um, looking at the 74 kilo class, it's a little deeper. 66 kilo class, again, a sweet one. But... It was, it was a little more of a walkover where in the 105 class, even though Emil ended up winning with quite a bit of room to spare, it wasn't any one with room to spare, and that's indicative of the competition he faced. That was a stiff competition. My man had to battle it out and had a tough ask for those 12 points. So if Team Sweden that won, walking into the competition, I felt like the 105s was the scariest if I was looking at any of the Swedes. And my man had the toughest battle to pick up his 12 points for the, his team, and he did so. So he is my MVP, um, collected 12 points for Team Sweden. Who is your MVP for their respective team, my friend? Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you with uh, Emil. I've been a fan of his lifting, and I've been impressed by his lifting since I saw him at Worlds. Uh, and I think that what he did is amazing to show up at a meet at Europeans, uh, not long after Worlds, 25 kilo PR, 9 for 9, uh, set junior world record, step with total. Uh, hats off to you, you deserve MVP. If Anatoly went uh, full throttle, I think we could see uh, a situation where I changed my pick. Uh, but as you mentioned, he may be holding back for the SPD invitation on March where you can get paid for setting world records. And let's also be <laughs> talking about um, for Team Sweden. Uh, Team Sweden won. Actually, let me let's let's do a quick recap here, just so you know. So Team Sweden came in number one, Poland second, and Great Britain came in third. And Anatoly got best lifter. Eddie Berglund came in second, and Emil Norland came in third. Uh, again, that's individual. We're not talking about individual placement. Who is individually the best showing? We're talking about. Who collected those points for the team when it was clutch? And sometimes in the division, I'm telling myself, well, you should. 
pick up those 12 points. You are definitely the favorite to pick up those 12 points. And there's other divisions where I'm like, oh, shit, if you pick those up, that is clutch for your team because nobody would, would talk smack if you only picked up, you know, less than the 12 when you win it. Um, so that's why I got Norland. But Team Sweden, did you see those Instagram? Man, those fellas got drunk. Huh? They party. Man, what was going on in Lithuania when they won? I saw some videos I didn't even post because I'm not sure they want me to post this in the king, king of the list. But my man, Eddie Berglund, he's a little ass dude. And when he puts it away, he gets drunk. He was, those fellas can party. Um, I mean, yeah, Team Sweden won and they, and they partied like it. Good for them. I can't wait to see the reaction in uh, in Belarus, although it's going to be super tough to beat Team USA for the win, but um, nonetheless. So we got personal watch, MVP. Let's talk about the most improved for myself. And here's the way I'm looking at it. We talk a lot about numbers, right? Um, like Angelina, you, 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 you strike me as a numbers man. Okay, and that's not just because you wear glasses. Uh, you, strike me as, <laughs> you strike me as a numbers man because you crunch the data, you come with the spreadsheets, and you got all you you like to crunch the data. Even when you're yeah. doing programming, when you're doing attempt selection, you know all the um, percentages of of you know the other the opposition, how often they miss their third attempts, whatnot. But I also like in terms of positioning. When we both talked about Angelina. You were like, uh, look at she improved by 57 kilo. You went through like the kilo placement. For myself, I'm like stacking up. She went from fifth to first, and I'm just setting this as a, as some of my reasoning for my pick here for most improved. Um, he might not have improved the most in terms of kilos overall by total, but there's more to the story that for me, for myself, in terms of big game improvement. When the big game starts and everybody's watching, we're at the international play. I'm looking, did this gentleman improve upon his previous performance and almost a redemption start redeemed himself? Now, you might be thinking I could go one of two ways here because there's two redemption stories. So let's belt these off real quick and then I'll tell you which one I picked. Eddie Berglund bombed out at the World Championships. So in terms of improving upon that, my man could have came in ninth and still improved because when you bomb, you don't even register a total. But he's a pretty solid favorite to do what he did. So I wasn't going to pick him for there, despite the fact that he went from bombing to becoming a European champion. I'm going to take Alexander Eriksson of Team Sweden. Collected himself 12 points, and I'll tell you what. He went from being in a junior, winning a, a equipped world championship, if I'm not mistaken, uh, a world championship in the classic division and being a highly touted junior transitioning into the open. And oftentimes, sometimes they live up to that junior status. Sometimes they don't, you know, sometimes they completely fall off and we never hear from you again. Not going to drop some names. And sometimes you go from a junior to an open superstar. When he went into Sweden in the world championships was held in his host nation. He had already totaled, over 700 kilo in the, in the 72. There was, there was a little bit of height. We would have hoped he, at, at his age, build upon and not fall back from, especially when the World Championships comes into your home nation. This is the time to put it together. And he went from 
uh, uh, over 700 kilo total drop into, I believe it was 682 range. And, you know, his kilos dropped 20, a little over 20 kilo when his host nation was was holding it. And he could have been a contender, and instead he became an also-ran. And it's, it had to have been a little disappointing. Coming into these European championships, he, he set himself up for a bit of a redemption story. Am I going to be that junior who was a junior star and walks into the Open and I can't swing with the big boys? European Open Championship. He has a return to form. Hits 717.5. Uh, I believe he only missed his last bench press, so went 8 for 9. Improves. Yes, I could swing with the big boys. Just a little under her. Under 800 IPF points. Obviously, super young. Got a lot to grow, lot to grow from there. And um, in terms of a gentleman who not just improved upon in terms of kilos, and I'm not looking at his overall kilo because he's been in over a, a 700 kilo total before, but a return to form and then improving upon that and improving from the last time we saw him in his first open into the international scene. So there's my pick. And uh, he also, by the way, picked up 12 points and tossed them towards his team that ended up winning best lifter. And if I'm not mistaken, there was a lot of people not picking him for the 74 kilo European. Did you pick him for the European open title? No, I, I had to pick a, a former opponent of uh, Taylor Knives and Alex Turkovich Sudnik, um, who I think this is really notable when we're discussing uh, the significance of Alex's performance is that uh, Herkovich has never, ever lost on the international stage. Yeah. Uh, he's won 74 kilo lifters to be a world champion. For a world championship, that's a 74 kilo lifter. He's beaten Taylor Atwood. Uh, aside from him and Taylor, scale is the only other one who's, who's won worlds in that division. Uh, came back after a shoulder injury and uh, Alex managed to make him load up just too much that for him to pull on that day. Uh, and Alex came away with the title. I think the other thing that I, I wanted to mention on that is uh, I noticed on Instagram that uh, Alex had went out and hired uh, Mike Cher of RTS uh, for his coaching. So I just want to congratulate Mike as well. Clearly made a great difference there for Alex mm-hmm. to lift in. Uh, and congratulations to both men on a, on a really well-fought uh, victory. Um, I actually wanted to – got to be a homer here. Uh, you said I'm a numbers guy, and uh, that's what ah. I'm going to do. He hit a 27.5-kilo PR, came from uh, way down in the nominations, made a push for uh, bronze in the 93-kilo division uh, under his first meet with Alfred John, one of my coaches here at the Strength Guys, kind of defender of the Netherlands, uh, registered a 27.5-kilo uh, meet PB. Uh, and earned uh, silver on the bench press. So uh, great job to Tano and great job to uh, Alfred. And then the other lifter I wanted to mention was uh, Emilio Cotti-Fumetti of Italy, who also hit a massive personal best. Uh, Emilio came into the day with a previous best total of 735, left with 760 and a bronze medal that nobody saw coming during that competition. So... Uh, congratulations to uh, both men on training cycles and uh, kind of my cold pick for most improved lifter. Yeah, you know what? I mean, he was three kilo off the mark when it came to to a silver medal. Um, I actually would have needed a stitch more because he's a stitch heavier. But 
Um, nonetheless, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough pickings. When it comes down to most improved, there's different ways you could slice it. But, um, I mean, Team Sweden, in terms of, uh, like, just an overall recap there, Team Sweden, my God. They, they, that, they, that is, a, they're turning into a world, like a powerhouse on the world's international scene. I don't know what they're doing. It Like, I know, like, talking to some of these Swedes when they come on with their interviews, um, I had a Ron, Emil, Gustav, I mean, we had a few of them in, on the show. And Team Sweden, with their juniors, they're having, like, coaching seminars and flying their lifters in to one central point where everybody trains together, shares information, international coaches sit down with them and, and get to view their lifts in person first off, get their lifting style, ask them questions on how they like handling attempt selection. You get to see them lift so you know, oh, you're a grinder. So if your opener looks a little grindy, you're not near your top end. That's just how you lift. You know, call out the Hayden Bowden situation. So, I mean, Team Sweden is making huge strides and the government is actually putting money involved like it's a, it's a uh, government sponsored sport there, so there you can see it on the international level. So soon enough, they're going to start racking up some world champions. Um, and Gustav Hedlund, you know, my man, he went all in. I believe he balked at if if his eight twelve point five total looks a little low, it's because he balked at his second deadlift and went all in the money, saying, "I want to go uh, for this." I'm pulling for the win. You know what? We're going to start getting into... Don't let me get ahead of myself. We're going to start getting into the division by division here. I've already started. Let's do it. Let's walk it back a second. So, um, from Poland, Darius... Uh, oh, this is going to be a tough last name. Zola <laughs> took yeah. your, took the uh, 59 kilo. No major surprises there. Eddie Berglund... Did you want something to say you want about the 59 kilo? Because I don't got a whole heck of a lot. No, I, I mean, the only guy who showed up and uh, hit a PR was Slavomir uh, Spletz, who placed second by 10 kilos, uh, ended up hitting a two and a half kilo total PR. So uh, congratulations to Darius for the win and Slavomir uh, on the small PR. But really, uh, as far as things to mention in that class, uh, there's there's not many storylines for us there. So. Um, and then, so 66 kilo, Eddie Berglund, this is important, again, in terms of the pressure on these Swedes, when Sweden was hosting the World Championships, and Sweden turning into the powerhouse, the government's now sponsoring, I mean, it's it was a lot of pressure, and a lot of people are looking at Eddie to bring home the win, and uh, possibly be the first male to win the Open World Championships, the first from Sweden, and there was talk about it. And they're saying, Eddie, you, you could be the first. Like, there was a lot of pressure on this cat. And not only came up a little short, but the bomb out and of all things on the bench press, which the guy is a, a bench god. He's hit um, 213. He's got an incredible bench press on him for a 66-kilo lifter. It's, it's insane to even think about. I mean, he's competitive in the 83-kilo class when it comes to his bench press at the world championship level, let alone a 66-kilo class. So he bombed out, of all things, on the bench press, world championships in his home country. So for him to bounce back, that's really the storyline. Is It's a great redemption story for Eddie. Also, young man entering into the Open. So he's got a bright future and possibly a, few, a future world champion. Um, we'll see. We'll have to see. Yeah, uh, congratulations to Eddie on, on bouncing back. He also had a small full PB here. Um, another important storyline to mention with the 66 kilos and 
uh, going into the competition, we were actually anticipating that this was going to be more of a battle than it ended up being. And that's because the French French lifter Anijotis Karanita got ill the night before the competition, uh, had to withdraw from the competition, was unfortunately able to uh, compete. So uh, looking at that situation now, I mean, Eddie ended up pulling 677 and a half. His best competition total was 670. Uh, so it would have been it would have been nice to see uh, a push for, for the top slot more. Uh, but instead, uh, Tanner Jonas has to withdraw due to illness. I hope he gets well and I hope everything is okay. I uh, and we ended up with Alexander Colbin in second with a 640 kilo total. I actually had um, the Flying Frenchman as my pick because I thought with this huge deadlift, if it was neck, he has a big squat, big deadlift, he's going to get killed on bench. That's fine. I thought if it came down to a pull and it was as close as I had anticipated, he could load, he's going to, he's going to de- pull last and he'll load the bar exactly. But once he was not showing up and it was just going to be Eddie kind of ended up being, look, those 12 points are more than likely, barring a major upset, going to go to Eddie. So what turned into a major battle ended up being a more more of a skirmish, if you will. And Eddie was going to collect his 12 points, but that could have been the battle to, to be watching in terms of, at least in terms of a 1-2 battle, the 1-2 one-off. Kind of like the 83s between Owen and Eric um, between, with Team Great Britain and Sweden. As opposed to the one of fives, which was one through five, super thick. But uh, but yeah, it's too bad. I hope my man gets back on his feet. Um, I'm wondering, like he got sick and doing the weight cut wasn't going to happen for him. But I'm wondering if you know he's going to want to stay 66. He has lifted in 74 previously. If he's going to want to go back to 74, or if he thinks no, it's only because I got sick. Um, it's got nothing to do with the weight cut. 66, we're going to stay. Because he was previously 74, and he's a good 74. It gets tempting. Because when you look at your 74 kilo numbers, and you think, well, if I could bring my 74 kilo numbers into the 66 with consistency, I could be a world champion. But pulling that off with the weight cut and everything, it's not always realistic. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying it's going to be interesting to see if he decides it was whether he's sticking 66 or whether he's going 74. Yeah, we'll have to stay tuned. Um, and again, I, I just hope he gets healthy. Uh, scary, nobody likes to see that. And uh, nobody wants podium battles to uh, unfold that way with yeah. the competition. After the draw. He was straight up hospitalized, by the way. He wasn't just under the weather. He was reporting from the hospital. So my man was for real. Um, going to the 74s, we touched up on this a little bit already, but it's got to be said. Um that uh, Alexander, coming back from, from what he had previously dealt with at the World Championships, not that it was a major, you know, embarrassment by any means, but certainly did not intend at his age to be falling back by a considerable margin in his total. Put up the performance that he always had in him. Um, obviously, the guidance of Mike T didn't hurt. And beating the former world champion who was undefeated on the international scene, uh, my man... Jason Trombley, who crunches all the numbers and is as good a prognosis as you're going to find. Chad Dolan, your counterpart, also agreed with you, if I'm not mistaken, in our previous show and had the, the returning world champion coming back from injury. Pegged as, I actually pegged Alexander. I thought he was due, and I knew he had the potential, but it was one of those battles where he, he had to prove it. 
and he couldn't have another performance like he did back in June in Sweden, and he lived up, and that was pretty much the mil- the biggest storyline, the former world champion finally losing on international scene. It should also be noted, he's coming back from injury, born in 76. It was bound to happen at some time. Father Time is undefeated. So, but still, yeah. silver medal on the international scene isn't too bad. I mean, when uh, Taylor and I ran into Herkovich Sutnik at Belarus Worlds, uh, he explained to us that he had a shoulder injury. Oh, I'm sure he did. Had to <laughs> that year. But, I mean, we've competed against him before in, uh, in Colleen, uh, at I believe it's 2015 Worlds, uh, and the guy just doesn't miss. So, going into this competition, uh, I had picked him over Alex to Obviously, he's a very promising lifter. Uh, based on based on history, which doesn't miss, I thought his shoulder would be healthy by now. Uh, he's not on social media, so I have no way to verify any of that. Uh, ended up just being slightly off the mark where he was uh, before the injury. And uh, Alex was able to make a convincing win. He had more kilos in him on that final, uh, final depth of the swell. So congratulations to Alex, uh, congratulations to Sharers coach, and I'd also like to congratulate uh, Denmark lifter Maddie Christensen on setting a European record in the squat with 258 and a half kilos. Yeah. Uh, he's also got a great bench as well. Uh, I remember competing against him at Worlds. He, uh, the last guy out before Taylor was, uh, who's this guy? I was checking him out. He's got a great sub cool. If you get Devlin figured out, he's going to be a, a big contender in that division. So uh, congratulations to Matty on the European record as well. Moving into the 83s. Now, if you like bench pressing, you're in for a treat. Owen Hubbard, um, who's also, uh, I believe he's one of your guys' lifters. And he posted, I mean, he, he, he took the win. He was really in a pretty big battle between him and Eric Carlson. It was going to be neck and neck. I thought, because it was so neck and neck, and Eric Carlson, who broke the IPF world record in deadlift, no less, broke it, taking it from a man, Kafwi, who's a co-host at King of Lifts. Um, if, if it came down to the win, he's going to pull last. Is what I had figured. And not only pull last, but also have, so he can load the bar for the win and load it conceivably with possibly a chip. Which, so he'd be, if it was neck and neck, and we thought it'd be neck and neck, that was a situation that was going to play. However, leading into it, I did notice from Eric Carlson, his social media post became less and less confident. And he essentially, his last social media Instagram post was like, well, wasn't a really good, wasn't a really good prep. It is what it is. Let's see what we got. And I remember Kafwi uh, messaging me being like, man, my man doesn't seem too confident here. Um, and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, sometimes it is like that. So as it were, Owen Hubbard, uh, misses third squat, but hit a world record bench press. Wasn't the most tidy bench press, but good enough. It is on the international level too. 218.5 kilo was sure to post that and shout out Brett Gibbs. And these two love the shout out back and forth. So they, they've been tossing this world record bench press back and forth. Whenever they meet, look, when it's, a, when it's a championship and the bench press rolls around, rarely is the bench press event one of those events where it's like, oh my God, I can't wait to see the bench press event. 
a guy lays down or a girl lays down and presses. Usually it's not a battle and the most entertaining and you feel the energy somewhat dip a little bit when the bench press event rolls around. But Owen Hubbard and Brett Gibbs are in the field. These guys have, a, not only are they neck and neck with the bench, they have a long-standing back-and-forth rivalry. I remember when Brett Gibbs won the World Championships in 2018 and was the first lifter in the 83-kilo class to total 10 times body weight, the heaviest man ever in the IPF at the World Championships to total 10 times body weight, won the 83-kilo class beating Russell Orhe, but... Fucking Owen Hubbard took his bench press world record. And it was like, damn it, man, I couldn't have that. That little piece. And Owen Hubbard had to rub it in his face. He goes, yeah, man, you're on top of the world. But don't forget, I took your, your bench press. And the bench press was always that lift for Brett. Even when Brett in his big showdown with John Hack, and he lost to John Hack in that showdown, he got the gold in the bench press and the bench press world record. It was always that lift that was in his back pocket. And sometimes a guy like Owen Hubbard's going to roll around and take it. They've been neck and neck with it. So Owen took it and was sure to shout out Brett. And I'm sure Brett's going to look to take that world record back. And, and it should be noted, not only did Owen take the world record back from Brett, but also might be costing Brett a little bit of money at the SPD Invitational because they're going to be making money for every world record. And now Brett's like, oh, nice. Okay, well... Now I gotta go a little heavy. Yeah, I mean Brett's gonna have a, an interesting decision to make between uh, attempting a new world record on bench or um, prioritizing building his total and aiming for the for the grand prize for best men's lifter, mm. uh, which it's looking like it's shaping up between uh, him, Russell, and Taylor Atwood uh, for that one. So it'd be interesting to see uh, from a coaching standpoint what Brett, Brett ends up doing there. Obviously, lots of time for uh, both guys to get stronger, even into the uh, bench press battle of Worlds. Um, congratulations to Owen, first of all. Uh, defense is European Championship that we uh, won together on our co-coaching team with Alfred last year. Uh, Owen now works on his own. Um, he's kind of been befallen with numerous uh, setbacks, uh, frustrations, niggles over the past two years. Uh, he's still a lifter to watch, and getting the 100 kilos and beyond, I believe that's very much in his capabilities. Um, as you said, Eric was going through some adversity leading into this competition. He was coming back from a groin injury. Uh, so congratulations to Owen. Absolutely clutch bench press, because he ended up meeting every single kilo that he got out of that world record when it came time for deadlifts. Uh, we had three lifters, or actually we may have had four lifters, attempting the world record, or uh, some were going just for the world record, and some were going to take his title. Uh, and Owen ended up just setting the bar high enough uh, to where he was watching backstage, and one by one, uh, Owen became more and more like... Uh, Dude, it's, that's tough because Owen is, like, he's a phenomenal lifter. Um, the only caveat would be his deadlift is slightly behind on the world level, um, and I mean, slick look, guy's still a great deadlifter, but some what these dudes are doing with the deadlift these days, you got 83 kilo boys with the like 330 range and seven that's 700 pounds and beyond now on the international level. So, I mean, yeah, his, his good work is done. And after he's done deadlifting, whenever you're in Owen Hubbard's shoes, you got to sit back and just watch as dude after dude takes swings at your gold medal. And you're like, oh, God. I've never, I've never hoped for a lifter to fail so many times in a row. 
You know what I mean? Like, it's literally what he's got to wait for because everybody's loading the bar for the win. I do want to give a shout-out to uh, Cheeto Noli from Norway. He is the junior, the reigning junior world champion in the 83 kilo. Um, just a beast of a deadlifter. He ended up breaking the open world record deadlift that my man Calf was yeah. going to be taking swings at in Belarus. But um, Cheeto Noli ended up taking it sixth in position. Um, he's, he fell a little behind in terms of his overall total, but I mean, he's still a junior. He's got plenty of room to grow in terms of building his overall total. Certainly the strength is there and, um, finish off with a 30, 30.5 kilo deadlift, taking the gold medal in deadlifts and the world record. And Eric Carlson, although his, his overall total is 763, he's pulling for the win. So if it was just a local competition, and it's not an international competition, and he's just looking to finish off his total somewhere. Who knows where he's going to end up? But when you're swinging for the win, you're loading up the bar, you miss, you're going to fall back to your second attempt. Um, he did, despite him saying he didn't have the greatest training, he, he hit a, 290, a 295.5 kilo squat, which is the European record in squat. So his training may not have been what he wanted, but it wasn't half bad because he's walking away with international records as well. Yeah, and uh, a few other lifters I, I was really impressed by when I watched this competition were uh, Emilio Cotti Cometti, who I mentioned as uh, co-most improved on the men's side. Hit a 25-kilo PR, ended up pulling 325 kilos to snatch bronze. Uh, so he was one of those lifters that was taking a crack at, you know, within one kilo of what the world record was before this fight took place. Uh, and then another one is Christian Ayandekun of Great Britain. Uh, Christian ended up loading 330 and a half kilos for the win. Uh, and he, he moved it. Like, he got it above his knees, and then he lost his balance. So uh, we could have actually been talking about another great British lifter who's the European champion here. Uh, and it's going to be really interesting to see how uh, Christian pushes Owen in that division moving on. And Yuri also uh, uh, from Slovenia loaded up as well uh 330.5 i mean everybody started loading up in the end um trying to go for that world record and possible gold medal in the deadlifts you're actually ended up going for uh 315 on his third and oh, just did didn't quite happen. maybe i'm looking at the wrong oh i am yeah but that was yeah that, that was for a bronze medal on the place ah so, i got you yeah um yeah but Yuri and i uh came here with the pr on squat uh tied a pr on bench uh Eight of nine, it's a good day. Uh, we're looking forward to coming back and uh, improving on that uh, with more bench and deadlift progress at Worlds. So uh, he's a defending European champion as well, and, and some of the watch. So let's walk into the 93s. We already gave a little bit on the 93s, but it can't be overstated. My man Anatoly, I mean, he put together, I mean, despite it's a signature performance, and it's almost anticlimactic, and I understand why. Okay, it's the biggest total we've seen on, on the international scene for the 93 kilo class. It looks like on paper he, he missed his last lift. He didn't even come out and take it. So with only eight lifts, he's breaking total world records. And, um, and it's because Gustav Hedlund kind of went all in. Now, what do you think about the strategy? I want to ask you. Gustav had missed his third, third squat, missed his third bench. Things aren't going entirely the way he had anticipated. Nobody nobody wants to go two for three in two events in a row. Walking into the deadlifts. Hits his opener with 315. 
solidifying his total at the very least. So we already know his day isn't going the way he wanted it. And he's fallen behind no less to a guy who's the reigning world champion who, oh, and by the way, did not miss a single lift and broke a world record in the squat. So he's going against a guy who's having a, a historic day and he's missing. So he decides with his opening dead, let's hammer that down and solidify it. We got a total. We're not bombing out. And more than likely, I got my silver medal, which is going to pick up my nine points for Team Sweden. That's bare minimum. That's what they're thinking. That's what Team Sweden's thinking. All right. Fair enough. I got it. I'm on page with you. Now, they decide, don't bother loading up a second deadlift and I'm going to go for it. Because I don't believe my my silver medal's at risk, nor the nine points for Team Sweden. Balk at a second attempt. We're going all in for the third. And it's all or nothing. Because... I'm not here for I'm not here for a PR total. I'm not here for PR deadlift. I'm here for for the championship, right? And obviously missed. And Anatoly um, doesn't have to hit his third to get it. Blah blah blah. How did you feel about this? Yeah. So uh, I think a few things are necessary here. And first off, is uh, Gustav and his team had the uh, best understanding of what his deadlift strength was projected to be going into this meet. Um, the thing when you're selecting attempts, especially at these international meets, is uh, my coaching style is I want to see an opener in a second in order to get a really accurate pulse on what the third attempt should be. Uh, when you're just jumping from your opener, you, I don't want to show my competitor anything. I'm going to wait, see what he does, and then we're going to come out and take crack to the win. Um, it's such a widespread. He ended up opening at 315, then ended up 357 and a half third. Uh, so that's a really widespread to try to predict that, hey, you know, I, I've got this in the tank. And uh, I think on the day that Anatoly was just so dominant that he could afford to leave room in the tank on his world records and uh, just chip them a little bit. And he basically won the meet uh, going eight for eight. So um, Gustav is one to watch for the future it's not a strategy that uh, we would often favor or employ but I understand the logic uh, that Team Sweden employed here in, uh, in going to the win there he, it, it, and here's where it's, it's the pros and cons Okay, it's only going to work if you're not worried about the guy behind you taking your silver because if, if the guy behind you, if you miss your third and you fall right off the podium because your opener's not good enough to, to keep your silver or, heaven forbid, even your bronze, now you've really got egg on your face. But if Team Sweden and you, or whatever nation you're from when you make this decision has done their homework and says, nah, look it, we did our homework. We don't think, we think what you did in your opener, and they'll probably pick the opener, exactly what we think is going to solidify your silver medal. You should be good. You should be good. We can gamble and you're not gambling. So not only individually are you, the lifter, going to walk away with the silver and you're not risking your silver, but as a whole and on the international competition, this isn't U.S. Raw Nationals where it's just individual. You also are gaining points for your nation. This is like a world championship for the Americans. So you don't gamble away team points because Team Sweden ended up winning. Those nine points for Team Sweden were integral. So they probably thought, we're not risking nothing. So ten, instead of getting tired, deadlifting really heavy on your second, go all in, 
and you're not ready. You're just going to swap your silver for gold metal, possibly. However, like you said, all right, you got more energy in the tank because you're not hitting your silver, or sorry, you're not hitting your second deadlift. But on the flip side, it feels fucking heavy to take a 40 kilo jump. If you were in the gym and you're working up to a top single, some jumps are like, yeah, it feels good. Some jumps, even if it's a weight you normally hit, if you jump too big of a jump ahead to it, that weight that you normally hit smooth feels a hell of a lot heavier because you didn't have an interim jump in between. Just to turn the nervous system on, just to get the body ready for it. It can feel a lot heavier. So it's a bit of a gamble. Now, when it's you're not in the gym, so you have the European Championship, international, you're battling it out, and you might tell yourself, with the adrenaline going through my body, it won't matter if it's a 40-kilo jump. Maybe, maybe not. Look, a 42-and-a-half-kilo jump, pardon me. Maybe, maybe not. But if I ever attempted a 42-and-a-half-kilo jump, man, it is going to feel a hell of a lot heavier. Like, it's... And, and they... You know, it is what it is. It's a bit of a gamble. Maybe they walk away and they're like, ah, I think the jump is a little too big. It depends. Maybe he practiced big jumps and they had this strategy already locked up leading into it. And in, in the gym, he's practicing big 40 kilo jumps because they anticipated day of. Who knows? But um, there's the two different sides of it. It's not a strategy you could use every single time. Some dudes are like, this is a strategy I'm going to use every single time. Well, you don't do it if you're gambling away your silver medal at an international competition. But they weren't gambling. So I could see why Team Sweden's like, hey, look, we weren't, we weren't silly here. We weren't betting with the house money. We had the silver medal locked up. We were good. Because he still had 22 and a half kilo over the, the, the man who came in broad. So they were good. Just for a little insight. But um, Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, sir. I just wanted to mention as well, uh, Ashley Liston and Tanner the Vendor both had excellent meets. Uh, Ashley ended up hitting a TD, came in, placed third, and uh, came in two and a half kilos ahead of Tano, who hit a 27 and a half kilo PR. Uh, so well done, guys. That was a really entertaining class to follow. Yeah, I mean, they the battling for bronze medal was two and a half kilos separated them. I mean, it was a battle for the top, which you would expect at an international level. I think I. I had Ashley pegged as my bronze medalist, just, just saying. But <laughs> So the 105s, let's talk about the 105s, the battle of the 105s. Um, Emil Norlin, in terms of, like, I mean, one through five through six, all oh, super good lifters. Emil Norlin posting up 887.5, massive jump from just June, and he looks like the sky is the limit for this kid. We have never seen a 105 junior um, at the international scene, okay, before people start messaging me about, you know, Ashton's, you know, possibilities, whatever. On the international scene, on the international level, this guy is just rocking and rolling. What he's capable of, we don't know. Well, I mean, the proof is in the pudding, and I want to see it put on the international scene. And by the time June rolls around and we're talking about Belarus, and I want to get too ahead of myself, but you got to get a little bit excited about this kid. Nine for nine, smashing world records all over the place, and exudes confidence, man. There's something special about this kid that when you see him on the platform, when I saw him in Sweden talking about this strategy, you know, this is maybe the segue I want. And sometimes I segue myself like this. Talking about this strategy, they Sweden did that when, when the world championships were in Sweden. And Emil Norland said, all right, I hit my opening deadlift. We're not taking the second deadlift. 
We're going all in for third. I don't give a shit what we need. Load the bar. And it's an all or nothing approach. And when he hit that platform, he had nothing but confidence on his face. And all the Swedes in the crowd knew it. And he hit that deadlift. And by the time he was at his knees at the World Championships, he already knew he had won the Junior World title and the gold was around his neck. Already smiling and shaking his head when the dead was at his knees. Locked it up and smiled, looking across at the crowd. And they, he was drinking in the applause like a thirsty man. Put on another clinic here at the European Championship, despite being a junior against Svelte competition. Um, and if I may also, on the podium, 26-year difference in age between Emil Norland, who took gold, and Sam Watt, who took bronze. Sam Watt, born in 1970, will be 172 years old next year. Did you know that? 172 years old next year, if my math is right. No, my man's going to be half a century, though. Half a century next year, and he's taking bronze in the open, um, taking a world record in terms of the Masters on the squat with a 327 and a half, um, taking a world record in terms of Masters with 347 and a half on the deadlift, 860 total, another world record. If you see Sam Watt, the guy is diced despite being half a century old. He is a bodybuilder in the natural, I don't know much about bodybuilding and natural bodybuilding, but the guy is fucking diced. Looks like he's ready to, to step on stage or be on the cover of a fitness magazine on the drop of a dime. Give him the phone call. He's already ready. He doesn't need to dial it in. He's dialed in at these championships. Um... So he had a phenomenal showing as well, taking the bronze medal in an uber-talented class. And then uh, splitting the difference in between them, of course, from Russia is uh, Vladislav, who also, man, I mean, he's a young he's a young fella coming in at 862 and a half, um, tons of talent. He also went eight for, or sorry, nine for nine. All of those gentlemen who hit the podium, by the way, went nine for nine, had nine for nine days. And he was just two and a half kilo more than Vladislav. And the age difference between them is uh, 27 years. So he's even younger than Emil Norland. He's also a junior. Um, so a battle two and a half kilos separating the bronze medal and the silver medal. We knew it was going to be a battle. I just wasn't quite anticipating Emil Norland to have a breakthrough performance like he did taking the gold medal. And honestly, that is the best way to describe it is a breakthrough performance because, I mean, my man should be putting everybody on notice. Now, everybody everybody worldwide in the U.S., I don't care where you're at, you better watch out for this kid. There's something about him. You know, every now and then there's an athlete. I'm a huge UFC guy, boxing guy, and everyone knows this. And sometimes a guy shows up at the press conferences and the weigh-ins, and there's some kind of a fucking error to him. When Conor McGregor was on the way up, people are like, is he substance or is he flash? And he had a weird... Aura about him before he fought Aldo for the title. Just some kind of a weird... Like, he he knew a secret you didn't. He, he had a weird smile on his face. And it's like, I don't know about this guy. Fight comes out and be like, he's he's all flash. Don't worry about it. Ends up... And Jose Aldo's the greatest featherweight of all time. Knocks him out in 13 seconds. And he saw this hole in Aldo's game. Took him out in 13 seconds. There's something about Emil Norland. The way he carries himself. It's like, he fucking knows something we don't. And when he posted... And Ashton Ruska... On the Instagram, post underneath, you know, congratulations, nicely done. Emil Norlin wasn't, hey, yeah, thanks. He was, yeah, I'll see you in Belarus, let's go. You know, he, he, while some dudes run away from a guy like Ashton, Emil Norlin's like, 
young man, get it together. Let's rock and roll. He knows something. And, um, and I'm excited for the future with this cat. Yeah, I love that confidence. I could say from uh, coaching Taylor as well for six and a half years now that uh, that's something that's in Taylor Atwood's game as well. Any third attempt we load on the bar, he's going out there like a boxer, ready for like a heavyweight belt with it. Mm. He, he believes in himself, high self-confidence. He basically feels like he's invincible on each day. And uh, I think that's a characteristic that you have to have in your mental game of, of being a top-level competitor. And Emil's got that. It's a hard thing with competitors who don't have that uh, mental that mental game that Emil and Taylor and guys like that do to to develop it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something that's born through a lot of sporting experiences. And uh, again, congrats to Emil. I also wanted to congratulate Joshua Greenfield on setting the world record in squat. Uh, 343 kilos on a certain attempt. Absolutely massive. Uh, so well done to him. You know what? You know, it's funny. I, I want to talk about this for a second. Did you see that video that Greenfield posted? That, uh, look, at everybody's saying congratulations for my world record squat. And he's like, I really don't give a shit about that world record squat. And he's he's bitter because his overall total, he missed he missed a squat. Um, and, and if that was his second attempt squat, he was planning for more. He wasn't planning on retaking that. So even though it's a world record, it's less than he wanted. That's in his mind's eye leading up to this, that second attempt weight. Missed a third attempt bench. Missed a third attempt deadlift. And um, didn't end up with the total he wanted in the overall placing. Coming in fourth, which is tough because you're just on, off the podium. And, okay, let's talk about that for a second. Because it's an interesting talking point for myself when I think about this. I get it. You know, he sees himself as a competitor. In, in his mind's eye, that second attempt weight. So I get that point of view. However, however, I don't see this as a consolation prize. I think when you're, when he's 85 years old, looking back on this, and he realized, it dawns on him, the world is a fucking huge place, my friend. Seven billion people walk on it. You understand me? A massive place. When I look at the categories that we posted up, in terms of if you're amongst the elite, it's you're amongst the 2.6% of powerlifters across the world. Not population, but strength-wise, 2.6. We posted those categories if you want to check where you rest. I'll repost it. Don't worry about it. If you're amongst what they call world class, which all of these guys are, you're amongst around the world of strength athletes less than one percentile among people walking the earth percentile of a percentile of your it's ridiculous so if you squat something no one in the history of the sport has done in your weight class ever it's one of these deals when you look back you might look at it differently than when you're in the moment. And I think as powerlifters, we can appreciate, we've all been there when you tell yourself, I am capable of this, I am capable of that. And if I don't hit this, that, and the other, it's it's almost a loss, right? You've, you've said it so many times in your mind, when you lay down at night in bed and you picture the competition, you've run through it so many times in your head, you're telling yourself, it's that or break it. If I don't hit it, I'm upset. Sometimes when you look back at a performance and all is said and done, you're like, God damn. 
when it's all gone and you're done, you're like, I was doing shit nobody in his not not people around me, no one in history has ever done. Nobody, Namo, hasn't done it. You know, it's it's you were the first ever. You were the Usain Bolt across the finish line for your weight class. So I think you might think about it differently in the future. It's the uh, it's the Bannister effect. It's always harder to set the bar than it is to chase the bar, uh, even when it's been right. And we see that entire thing between it sprinting. We've seen it in breaking the formula. We've seen it all over sports. Uh, yeah. So any world record doing something that nobody's done before in that weight class, uh, very commendable. And uh, looking forward to seeing where he goes in the future with it, if he believes he's capable of more. Uh, looking forward to seeing the next international competition results for him. Yeah, I mean, 100%, man. When you say it's about setting the bar is a lot harder than chasing it, 100%. When you're the first... When you're the first to do something, it's way harder to be the first across that finish line with that kind of totals. When you're the when you're the trend setter, 100%. Look, it's the same thing for um, Sam Watt. I, I can't wrap my freaking head around the fact this guy's half a century old. What are, what, are we, what are we talking about here? What are you doing? Still walking around dice like that, swing with these dudes half your age. He competed in 1991 at the World Championships. You understand? Do you know who was at the World Championships in 1991? Have you heard of Ed Cohen? What is he doing? I'm 1992. Dog! Okay, well, there I'm you go. A lot. You were four years old when Tupac died, by the way. That's I don't know why that's my point of reference. But anyways, um, so 1991, he's competing at the World Championships. Have you, heard of, have you heard of Ed Cohen? What's he doing lately? Have you heard of Captain Kirk? Kirk Kowal, he was at that World Championships. That's when this guy was competing at the World Championships. If you want to know how hard it is to last at that age, take a look at his peers and tell me what they're now doing. This freaking guy is squatting 327.5 kilo deadlifting. Let me scroll this over. 347.5 kilo and totaling 860 and freaking Dice got skin like he should be sponsored by Oil of Olay. The guy's a beast, man. I mean, in terms of inspiration, when you were looking at these guys, Joshua Greenfield, Sam Watt, man, they got, like, it's it's like the Europeans lit it up in the 105. And then you got Emil Norland is like the cherry on top, who I think is seriously a star for the future. Everybody's got to worry about him. He's a problem. He's a problem. I don't care what your name is, where you're coming from. If you're a 105 kilo lifter... My man Emil Norland is a problem. Watch out. You know, I can't I I love that Bryce is back and Bryce and him are gonna do battle. The Grizzly returning veteran, returning world champion, Bryce came in the K. Guess what? I didn't lose my title. You want my title? Come and get it. I would love if somehow Ashton Ruska, as an alternate, made it on the team, and I'm told he's the number one alternate on Team USA. I would love if Ashton Ruska made it in the 105s. How dope would the 105 battles be in Belarus if Emil Norland, Ashton Ruska, Bryce Lewis, get the fuck out. What are we talking about here? That's pay-per-view. Are you kidding me? That's pay-per-view. I mean, I would love to see that battle. I'm not going to go in and predict right now way too soon, but oh my God. You know, if you're not, I mean, I hope nobody's looking past it. Anybody else we should talk about in terms of the 105s? My friend. No, I just had one final note on uh, Sam that this is actually a 16 kilo personal record for him at the age of 49 to 
which in my opinion makes performance even more impressive. Uh, just well done. Like, can, can we say? Can we call, can we say half a century? It sounds so. It sounds more 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 uh, noteworthy when he's half a century. He's half a century old. Half Absolutely, to still be getting better at uh, half a century. <laughs> I love how you did that just to fucking humor me. <laughs> I love how you play ball with me. Thank you, sir. But it is true um, to be to be thinking that like half a century into your life, you were like hitting BRs and like you're still on the up and up. It's crazy, man. Um, I mean, and and he'll be in Belarus too. Um, God bless. I don't know who what. Poor 105, 50 year old is going to show up and be like, oh, fuck, this is the guy I'm going against. <laughs> what this shit is? Oh, well, that's cool. Uh, let's just give him the gold medal. He's going to win with his openers. He's going to show up and probably try to set the tone. Actually, so the Masters are actually split this year. Okay. Just remember yeah. that. Just remember that. Well, look at whatever he hits in, in April at the Masters World Championships. Could rival the guys in the 105s in Belarus. But anyways, let's not get ahead of ourselves. 120s, my friend. Um, Piotr Sadowski from Poland. Winning it with uh, 895, um, 751 IPF points. Hit all of his lift except for his last deadlift. It would have put... Just going for a uh, European record on last step. I was going to say, look like a bit of a Hail Mary, a 23 kilo jump. Not the craziest jump, but the fellas this big. But um, it was definitely a record because six, sorry, 363, obviously with that chip in there, indicates it'd be a record. So he's looking to get a little greedy. Let me pick up the win. Let me grab some records. Let me go nine for nine. Not to be on that thing. Yeah, and then uh, Amanda's Palaskis went for a new world record with 254 and a half kilos. Uh, didn't end up hitting it. He owns the current world record in that weight class at 253 and a half kilos. So uh, just came up short of chipping his PB. Uh, and then congratulations as well to Danil Ermolaya of uh, Russia, who set a European record squat with 340, 340 Oh, sorry, uh, Maris Joseph's of Latvia ended up taking it. Yeah. the European record with 345 kilos on his third attempt. Demille so, still uh, took a record, though. That's that, he still took a record. Doesn't matter if someone comes around and takes it after you, you were the first across that line. Um, also, uh, Pavelanko took the silver medal. Look at Amandas, who we thought was going to be in contention to take it all, had a real rough squat, misses opener, misses second attempt, pulled the Russell Orhe. Went back, did three Hail Marys, came out and, and hit the weight on his on his third. Although unlike Russell, he 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 didn't raise the weight. Um, and then he missed obviously his his third attempt bench press, like you said. And if you're wondering, he he didn't get his third deadlift, so he didn't have the greatest days. And that's why he went from being a possible gold medal favorite, falling back, still landed landed on the podium from Lithuania. Lithuania, the host nation, is what it is. Commiserations, my friend. Moving into the 120s, the Estonian giant, Rat Simrast, um, who works with Mike T, put himself together. He was 8 for 8, misses last deadlift, hit a 9.45 kilo total, besting his world championship performance by a somewhat modest 5 kilo, but a win is a win. Um, he is now, uh, I believe, a defending European champion. And 
Depending on how things shake up, a podium favorite for the World Championships in Belarus, he'll be representing Europe nicely. What are your thoughts on the 120-plus? Is there any surprises for you? Not major myself. I had Rast fairly comfortably picked as my gold. Um, Rico Martin there coming in second. I mean, it's somewhat unfolded like we thought, but we had a battle for the bronze medal, didn't we? Yeah, I thought with this class, uh, it just really shows the how big misses are uh, when you're lifting the absolute amount of weight that these are. Because uh, when we select attempts, we do still percentage-based. And obviously, 5% of, of 400 kilos or 360 kilos, that's a hell of a lot of weight if you're missing a 5% jump. Um, so some of these guys who were higher up in the nominations ended up placing lower down the lineup in the actual results. Uh, but congratulations to uh, Tim Rass and, and Mike Keane. Uh, I remember after uh, World we went out for uh, a beer together in Sweden. Awesome guy, uh, well-deserved, and uh, congratulations to him on defending the European Championship. And, um, yeah, for third, I mean, it came down if Steve Ringerut had hit his third because he was he lost out on body weight, which is tough. Um, but the from the Valich, hopefully I'm not butchering his last name, but Robert Valich ended up tying, but he was a lighter man, and he's got a hell of a deadlift. And when you deadlift, when you got a heavier deadlift, you deadlift last, and um, he could load the bar with whatever he thought he had to. And because he's the same body weight, he doesn't got to go, he doesn't got to better your total. He's just got to equal it. So he had a bit of a benefit there. So it is what it is with Steve. Had a pretty good day himself. Uh, hitting all of his lift except for that last, last pull. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we're good to go into the videos. What are we looking at? We're an hour and 20 minutes, my friend. Wowzers. Janine uh, Martin from Ireland winning the 47 kilo title. Um, Janine was kind enough to let me know I did not pick her. <laughs> I, lo I love it when the lifters like <laughs> Hey, she but, let Chad know that, uh, that we were right. She, but so. she did let Chad know you picked it right. That's okay. Thank it's you. all right. I'll take it. I'll eat it. Um, Janine taking the 47 kilo class. Uh, Danielle Malcolm from Great Britain taking the silver medal. And Maria Zabalina from Russia taking the bronze, and um, they were neck and neck for the bronze and the silver, but body weight separate room, and even fourth place was only two and a half kilo behind, and another two and a half kilo behind her for fifth, so it was a super tight in the 47 kilo class. Yeah, going into this going into this competition, we anticipated that it was going to be a pretty tight finish. Um, Janine had actually second to the champion last year, Maria Zavalina of Russia, uh, who in, in this lineup this year ended up placing third. Janine came in, she put on a clinic, nine for nine day, uh, seven and a half kilo total PR, and uh, ended up securing her first uh, European Championship. So congratulations to Janine, and uh, thank you for proving us right in our pregame uh, prediction. Yeah, and thank you for bringing that up again. Uh, 40-52 kilo class. Um, we, we briefly mentioned, but we'll take a look at the other lifters as well, that Alibert from France um, putting together, piecing together a stellar day, a signature performance, huge PR for her, nine for nine, first international win in the Open. Um, she won a silver medal in the 47-kilo class in Sweden, 
going against the 47 kilo goat Heather Connor and uh, in the 52 kilo class nestling in nicely taking the European gold and then behind her uh, her fellow French French lady uh, Rico and just 10 kilo off so looks like to win the national title in 52 kilo is going to be a battle looks like there's going to be some battles in France yeah, I mean, heading into this competition, we had uh, Naomi nominated in sixth, and Shizuka Riko was nominated in third. Uh, Olga Goyubeva of Russia was the favorite. And then, uh, obviously, as we talked about, the most improved uh, or the most valuable pick, uh, which she picked tonight, Naomi, rose up the leaderboard, 22.5 kilo PR. Uh, Shizuka Riko also hit a 22.5 kilo PR. Uh, so obviously something that uh, these ladies are doing in training is working. Uh, congratulations to them on phenomenal meets. Ava came in third. And another uh, really notable mention here is that Plum Deckers of the Netherlands ended up breaking Susie Hartwig Gary's uh, squat record uh, in the 52 kilo division. She set new world record at 158 kilos on her second attempt and then came out and furthered it with 160 and a half kilos on her third attempt uh, so congratulations to them and really well done on that yeah and here's here's so to add to the decker story which makes it a little dramatic opened up with a bronze medal or sort of opened up with a european record for a squat so opens with the european record second attempt world record Third attempt, breaking her world record. But if you follow powerlifting, you know you have to have a total for any of those records to stand. Walks into the bench press, misses her opener, has to retake it, and things get dicey. I mean, when that happens, you got three attempts. She ends up get, getting her second, going up only two and a half kilo and missing her third. So that, that one pitch she got, which was her opening weight, Took her two attempts to get it and was the only bench she got. Sometimes walking in there, you're thinking, 72 and a half kilos should not be an issue. That's opening weight. Let's not gamble a world record, which is a phenomenal showing. There's nothing worse to take the wins out of your sales than losing your world records. Ask Marie T from Texas in the 2016 World Championships. Um, and my God, things got a little too dramatic in the bench press event. When she, it took her two attempts to get her opening weight. She got it, and that's the only weight she got in the bench press. It's like, whew. Uh, ended up getting her opening deadlift, and that's the only deadlift she got. So, what overall, you know, the deadlift event didn't go the way she wanted. Bench event was shaky, but it, it's 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 got to suit a little easier when you set history in that squat event. Um, taking European record for your opener, world record for your second, and then besting your world record in your third. Um, so. Yeah. Whatever happened with the other lifts, maybe she got a little excited and had that adrenaline dump that sometimes can happen. Uh, when you finish on, when you have such a huge high in your squat sometimes, maintaining that adrenaline can be tough. You know, try to chase that and keep it going. Yeah. But, uh, but none of that. Uh, moving on to the... Go ahead, sir. Moving on to the 50 kilo category, we had uh, Joy Namani come out on top. Uh, Joy also said uh, she broke her existing world record on her second attempt with a 205-kilo pull. Uh, ended up being 25 kilos off her personal best. And then we had uh, Anna Filmanova in second and Laura Savalainen in third. 
Uh, do you have anything to mention on this box? Yeah. So, <laughs> is Joy sticking around the fifty sevens? I have no inside information there. I know she's bounced in between the fifty two and fifty seven kilo classes, uh, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that she owns the. Uh, yeah, she does own the world record in both weight classes right now in the deadlift as well. In the deadlift, so what? So Maria T from Canada won the fifty-seven kilo class with four seventy-two point five. Now this wasn't a, an amazing day for Joy. Uh, she missed her third squat, missed her third bench, and missed her third deadlift. Ended off four fifty-two point five, a good twenty kilo back. However, if she doesn't miss her thirds. We got ourselves a hell of a battle in Belarus. And she may not miss her thirds in Belarus. And we may have ourselves a hell of a battle. She is the reigning 52 kilo world champion. Moving up to the 57 kilo class for the European championships. Um, I don't know if it's because she knows she's strong enough to do it. It's still the international scene. It's nice to pick up medals in multiple weight classes. Hell of a resume to beef up. Or if she's telling herself, I would like, you know what? Because she filled it out. She's after she she weighed in fifty six point one kilo, so I'm sure she could still make fifty two kilo, but she's somewhat filled out fifty seven. She's got some more room to grow, but if she wants to fill out fifty seven and actually do a little bit of a water cut, keep growing into it, and let's say she doesn't miss her third attempts, we might have a Britain versus Canada battle, a Commonwealth battle. The the, the Canada British relations might cut down, my friend. How do you feel about that? As a fellow Canadian, okay, Maria T is the first Canadian woman to win a world title for us, and Joy's coming at our girl, possibly. I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah, I, I think with all due respect to Joy, that uh, Maria's, uh, Maria's top in that class, top moments in all powerlifting that I've seen when Maria ended up uh, putting on wrist, wrist straps and, and pulling to the win. Um, and looking ahead into, into Worlds, I mean, if Joy can narrow the gap through making attempts and, and making progress in training, uh, it could be an exciting one, but we also haven't seen Maria in a while, uh, so we'll have to see what she puts on the platform in her next competition. I think she returned to, I think Maria T returned to her roots and went to uh, Thai, I think she went to Thailand. And because um, I think I've seen her in, Thai powerlifting. She, I think she might have been hosted there by Thai Powerlifting Federation. And um, I remember we had Maria T on the show. And I shit you not, she said, growing up in Thailand, obviously they're famous for Thai boxing. If you listen to the podcast, you know, like I'm always bringing it up. I love like the, the combat sports. And when she was like five years old, go back and listen to the podcast if you don't believe me. Five years old, she was a bare knuckle Thai boxer. I shit you not, my friend. She's tough stuff. So if you're coming for her world title, you better be. She's go, she's not giving it up without a fight. But, but uh, five years old, because I was like, how prevalent is Thai boxing in Thailand? And she's like, oh, it's my dad would put me in. The, 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 the adults would put the children in Thai boxing matches. Five years old, it'd be fun, funny to watch this Duke swinging out. I'm like, holy shit, Maria. She's like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, she was like, I was like 30 years old the first time. I don't even think she is 30, so I'm lying already. I was like 20 years old by the time my mom first told me she loved me. <laughs> like, they are tough people. They are tough people, man. But, um, but anyways, so just a small look ahead. Um, if Joy decides to stay 57, I would love to see her and Maria go to toe-to-toe for the world title. 
Uh, Inna Filamenova coming in second. Uh, I mean, she was pretty far off the mark by 30 kilo. Inna Filamenova from Russia is a longtime veteran of the game. Um, I mean, she's done it all. Won world titles, broken world records, whatever, but she's probably a little past her prime. Seven, born in 76, but uh, still competitive on the world scene. And she's not going to go quietly into that dark night, if you will. Any other notes for 57 kilo or moving on to the 63? So you got any more notes you want to add? Uh, nothing else to add to the 57 kilo class. All right. Let's move it into the 63 kilo class. And the story of the 63s basically is the story of Leah Bavois of France. I was uber excited when Gara from Italy posted what she posted at the World Championships because she's it, it was such a phenomenal showing by her. Uh, let's bring this up real here. So she, she posted up 503 at the World Championships, a new world record, and we're into the 500s. Nice. Good. Solid. And then <clears throat> Sam Calhoun at the Raw, U.S. Raw Nationals this year posting up 511. The biggest total we had ever seen uh, uh, in, in, ever in the 63-kilo class, going 9 for 9, having a signature performance, and everybody's super happy, could be happier for her. And, and, and look, at she's, she would be the favorite walking to the World Championships, posting up the biggest total we ever seen. Then Leah Bavois from France, 514 world record squat, European record deadlift with a 216-pound deadlift um, and a 514 total, just shy 897 IPF points. Fucking ridiculous showing by Leah Bavois. Fucking ridiculous showing of Leah Bavois. And if you're if you're Italian or you're American, you're you're protesting and you're not eating your French fries in 2020. Um, this maybe, how scary is this right now? Is she your favorite walking into the worlds? I can't wait to watch that class of worlds. Uh, it's gonna be that so. Yeah, I, I was coaching uh, in that class uh, last year. Yeah, she had two competitors and Carly Dillon and Teresa Parsons. And uh, it was it was one of the most fun classes of last year's Worlds to be a part of. So we were watching uh, Leah's first time we'd seen her compete. World record squat goes down, and she's off to the races. Ivana Horna, who had a, an excellent meet here as well with a 495 and a half total, uh, was off to the races as well. And then we had Carola Gara and Sam Calhoun battling it out. So uh, last year was awesome. I can't wait for round two this year. Uh, Leah absolutely knocked it out of the park, had a little bit more in her on squat and a yeah. little bit more in her deadlift as well. Uh, so it'd be, it'd be fun to see where she goes with this next. 193 kilo squat? This is stupid. What are we talking about? That's crazy. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is for a 63 kilo woman. We're, we're getting, we're getting into some crazy numbers here, man. Um, and a 514, she has been powerlifting that long. Like she, her, her rate of progress is big. It's only going to get bigger. You know, she she's in terms of I, I want to say I I thought I saw because she was on the podcast as well. She's got a phenomenal story. If you want to hear a good story, scroll back into her catalog for the Leah Bavois story. Um, she came out and said she is autistic and the things that she dealt with coming up as a teen 
uh, battling depression, um, suicidal thoughts, attempted suicide, and like just a phenomenal coming of age story when she found powerlifting and, and basically found like, oh my God, you know, like everybody's got something. And went from, in her mind's eye, from nobody understanding her and wanting to understand her to now being a pillar and, and like a hero where she's from. And everybody around the world now takes, draws inspiration from her. And it's like, man, I was like, in my story, the ugly duckling who now is that girl on top. And everybody's drawing inspiration from her and looking up to her. She's doing things that we've never seen anybody do in the history of our sport. A phenomenal, inspiring story. And um, so go check out that podcast if you want to hear a good story. And she, and she tells it. And to hear what she's overcome, um, what, what she says, her fear in terms of being in public spaces, her fear in terms of crowds, and to overcome that, you want to talk about pressure on an international scene with some lifters might face. Imagine what this young woman faces when she deals with some real fear like that. You know, just outside of her control. And she goes into more detail in the podcast. I'm not doing it justice. Um, phenomenal show and phenomenal story. I mean, it's a great, it's great stuff. She's amazing. Uh, and then let's also give a little kudos. Ivana Horna. And for her to win the European Championship, not only did she post the greatest total of all time, she has to be going back to Belarus. So last time we were at the Europe, sorry, last time we were in Belarus for the World Championships, Ivana Horna won it. This is a former world champion we're talking. She's not beating slouches for the European title. Last time we had a world championship at, at, your, at Belarus, Ivana telling myself, excuse me, pardon me. Belarus has been very kind to me. I'll see you ladies in Belarus again. Thank you very much. Ivana Horn is no chump. She's a former world champion and a decorated lifter herself, finishing off with a, a 495.5 total and um, doubling back to the uh, world championship, if I may. That would have took her a silver medal, just edging out Sam Calhoun. I get it. Sam would have lowered her last deadlift and went for that. But nonetheless, it just puts in perspective what Ivana Horn is capable of doing. And, and if like obviously you can't look past Leah, do not be stupid and look past Ivana. World class, she will take a world title from you if you're not ready. She will take your silver medal. She will take your bronze medal. Uh, a scrappy individual coming from Slovakia. Yeah, these ladies are uh, raising the standard for the division quite fast these days. So uh, it's one of the, the most fun uh, and most rapidly improving divisions in powerlifting. Uh, and it's, it's the best time to follow this one. So uh, congratulations to both ladies on their excellent performances. I also wanted to mention that uh, Maria Dumanskaya, Veronica McKeith, Irish Schulten, and Jolene Dreesen all bought it, bought it. They all hit uh, significant personal deaths, uh, and this is kind of like the 105 class was for the men, with everyone making progress in that top six. So, uh, really fun class to follow, and uh, well done to all these ladies. Let's talk about the 74, sir. The 70, or sorry, 72s. Um, the 72s. Looking, if you want to talk about warning shots, Mother Russia from. From Russia with love, are they firing warning shots? Here's a couple of warning shots to all of our American and U.S. island and Canadians. Um, the Russians are, are firing warning shots from Russia with love. Angelina Elokia. Oh, my God. I better have this down by, the, by Belarus if I'm doing the commentary for this class because she's a contender. 
Ilovikova from Russia, a 543.5 kilo total. I know we already said how crazy it is, but it's got a 203.5 squat, which is a world record, a 230 kilo deadlift, which is a European record, taking the world record total. Listen to me, my friends. In 2019, we saw powerlifting's greatest dynasty fall when Oleg Jaroslav from Poland fell to Kajel from Norway. I don't got to tell you about Kajel. Nice sporting rival of Taylor Atwood. I'm sure you're familiar and done your homework well. They call him the Goat Tamer. He's the only man in history to have a win over the classic goat in 74, which is Taylor, and the quick goat in 74, which is Olic. So we saw in 2019 the greatest dynasty in powerlifting fall. In 2020, the number one powerlifter of all time in the classic division, in my mind's eye, is Kimberly Walford. I see no greater dynasty. People tell me, oh, it's the classic division. It's too soon to call a goat in the classic division. It only started in 2003. Fuck you. <laughs> if I may be so blunt, listen to me. U.S. Raw Nationals, which is a crazy thick competition. She's won in 72 and 63, beat Jen Thompson in a head-to-head -head competition for the U.S. Raw Nationals 63-kilo title. You want to talk about names on your resume. Never lost, and then in the, in the IPF World Championships, never lost ever Kimberly Wolford, if that isn't a GOAT material, what the fuck are we talking about? How many years in a row, how much dominance do you need to be a solidified GOAT? When we're talking about, we had a dynasty podcast one time, we're talking hockey dynasties. I think the Edmonton Oilers won five years in a row, and they were the dynasty. Well, what is five years at the world championship level, six years, whatever it is now, sir? Excuse me, pardon me. It's stupid. Yes, it's a dynasty. Yes, she's the 72-kilo GOAT. Yes, she might be the best dynasty to be seen in the classic division, regardless of weight class for the women, regardless if we're talking about the men. So in 2020, is Angelina the woman who's going to break the next great powerlifting dynasty at her age, born in 93? She might be the one to do it. Yeah, I mean, with the 56 kilos she's added this year on the report, uh, who knows where she's going to take the class. So many great lifters in this class, though, and uh, it really remains to be seen what's going to happen at Worlds, because uh, they've all got so much time to train and, and getting better. It's important to mention there that uh, Anna Rosa Castellane actually held the total world record uh, going into this meet, and then Alapakova ended up making it, so... Uh, in spite of Kimberly Walford being undefeated in this division, uh, there's been competitors who can rival her on total. I'm glad and you said that. I'm glad you said that about Anna Rosa Castellani. That flew on the radar. She not only took the classic world record, did she not take the equipped world record same competition, which is the Pan American Championships? Yeah, I'm not sure on that one. So. I think so, man. That's ridiculous, by the way. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know where this is going to go. I mean, you have Jessica Bittner here in Canada, who's obviously young and making a lot of progress. Uh, Kim's got that clutch deadlift. So 
and it's come in handy for her so many times. So uh, congratulations to Angelina Lopakova on a, on a great performance, putting us all on notice. Uh, we're excited to see what she's going to do next, uh, presumably at Bellarus Worlds. Uh, Sarah Mazzantini was the most improved lifter by the numbers on the women's side. Ended up hitting a 26.5 kilo PR. Um, great for the Italian Federation. I remember four years ago attending their Italian powerlifting nationals. You did? Once, yeah, yeah. I, I was there and I was backpacking. I was not expecting them to have, uh, it was around 350 lifters competing in their Italian powerlifting nationals back then, uh, which of course rivals the size of powerlifting nationals here in Canada. Uh, I, I couldn't figure out why they worked at the world stage. Now we're starting to see them come onto the world stage with Cole Agara and Massimini and, and uh, Connie Cometti on the men's side. Um, they've got a lot of really talented lifters in Italy and uh, excited to see them stepping onto the international platform like this. Uh, and then Ida was slightly off her mark from Worlds, still a great performance, uh, still puts her in the mix in that class, uh, and she's still on the walk to the future as well. Yeah, Ida's capable. I mean, when she won the World Championships and it came down to her last deadlift, I had her on the podcast. I replayed her last deadlift win, which was a phenomenal win. And then, um, and then also her and Chloe Dublin uh, continued the rivalry and did some arm wrestling. I don't know if you've seen that. I posted too. And, and I think, let the record show, I think they're even on arm wrestling. Ida took left and Chloe took right because they, they switched arms. And, and they need a tiebreaker on that, my friend. And I'm sure Chloe wants a rematch in terms of the world championships because she was winning. Ida missed her second attempt, comes out on her third, loads it up for the win, and hits it in a huge Hail Mary pass. Don't got to replay all over again. Look at the world championships in Sweden. A Swede pulling for the win after missing her second attempt. Phenomenal. Miracle yeah. on ice situation. Um, and she takes the world championships. Ida, tons of heart. In this particular European Championships, and again, she's a junior. She's got uh, tons of, of years left ahead of her. Her best years of lifting are, are well ahead of her. Um, so there's plenty of room to grow. She just started powerlifting a couple of years ago. In this particular European Championships, in her first foray in the Open at the international level, missed her third squat bench and deadlift. So it wasn't the greatest day piecing it together. If she hits her third attempts, could be a completely different story is what it is. But um, yeah, I, th I think if we're looking ahead, and I'm glad you brought up Castellane, by the way, because the Pan American Championships, we didn't we didn't really super cover it. I reposted some highlights, didn't really touch up on it. It's another regional event. It's the whole Western Hemisphere, Canada, US, and all of South America. And so it's an international event. This isn't, a, that wasn't an unofficial world record that Anna Castellane hit. It was international judging. So she legitimately broke a world record with international American judges were down there, my American friends. So, and they were giving her calls saying, yes, you, you broke the world record and you took it from Kimberly Walford. So next year in Belarus, and thank you for reminding me that out of sight, out of mind in this situation, but it is more than just Angelina. Kimberly Walford has got a murderer's row once again in the 72s. And um, the 63s are going to be stacked. The 72s are going to be stacked. I don't want to turn this into a, uh, 2020 World's Preview Show, but we'd be remiss if we didn't look ahead a little bit when you see world record totals fall like that. Absolutely. Um, so let's move on to the 84 kilo class 
an old wily veteran strick from the Netherlands, former world champion, um, pieces together an eight for nine day, collects the open world or European title, excuse me, pardon me, born 73. And um, you know, I love it when a wily veteran pieces together a day like that, pushes back the charge of these youngsters and collects another open European title. Yeah, it's five kilos off from her personal best. Uh, it looks like she went to ship her personal best total by two and a half kilos on her final deadlift. Uh, that was once the win was already secured. Ended up coming just short on that lift. Uh, but congratulations to her. And uh, as you said, she's a former world champion as well. So uh, it's good to see her uh, put on a, a strong meet. And uh, just taking a look, I don't see any... I or. Excuse me. We do have um, Nuga from Great Britain collecting, uh, I, I see in the European deadlift records, 225.5, 228. Um, just capping off, I just want to highlight some of the records that might have fallen. Looking in the 84 kilo plus, and uh, Emily from France, Mergier, I believe is how it would be pronounced, started off the day rough. Only getting her opening squat, collecting herself, not missing another lift for the rest of the day, ending off with a European record 588.5, which is good enough because Great Britain's uh, Leah Weatheridge finishing off with a 579, and that's just a few kilo more than 575, which is Leach from Sweden. So it's fairly closely contested, and um, the the French woman starting off rough. The significant thing about the uh, 84 plus kilos is that you look at nation points, France had 45, Great Britain had 45, France was first. And uh, if you look at the lineup here, France plays first, Great Britain plays second. So there were some key points to breaking oh, wow. like some competition as well. Um, going back to the 84 kilo class, I also just wanted to mention uh, Anki Timmer for the great 9 for 9 PR day. Uh, congratulations to her as well on getting a 12 and a half kilo total CD. Um, moving on to the 84 plus kilo class, uh, what really stood out to me, obviously, congratulations to Emily, Camille Holland on setting the European record in squat with 240 and a half kilos. Um, if you look down in fifth place, we have a sub junior lifter from Russia, uh, who broke one, two, uh, uh three, four, Five European records on the day. She broke one world record as well. Ended up hitting a 40 kilo PB uh, with a 545 kilo total. So looking ahead, it would be interesting to see where she can grow in that division. She was born in 2001. Dude, she's a kid. She's a baby. Yeah, and she added 40 kilos to her total in competition. So we'll see if she does in the next uh, international showing as well. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, top five in the open at the European Championships on the international level and breaking all these records. Yeah, she's definitely going to be one to watch. Um, so there you go. I believe, well, there it is, man. We gave we gave our MVPs in terms of the national teams who contributed those clutch points to, to their nations when they needed it. We gave our people to watch for the 2020 Worlds. We gave our most improved. Uh, we hit all the storylines, division by division. 
We got a little excited. I dropped a couple F-bombs. What else is new? I made a couple analogies to UFC and boxing, which seems to always make their way into this. Um, I think we were pretty damn thorough, my friend. Is there anything else we got to roll on here? No, I, I just want to say that the, uh, the sport's growing. Please let us know. Uh, give us some feedback on how we can improve these uh, preview and review shows. Uh, Ryan and I do a lot of research behind the scenes so that we're speaking accurately and so that we know uh, what our lifters are, are going through. Um, but please support these. A lot of work goes into them, and uh, it's a great time to be a fan or an athlete or a coach in powerlifting. So uh, keep supporting our sport and helping it grow. Yeah, give back. And speaking of uh, being a coach, uh, for people listening, Obviously, um, you are head of the Strength Guys, which is one of the most elite coaching services, outfits you're going to have out there. I don't know if you guys heard of Taylor Atwood. He's quite good. They coach him. Uh, the, the champion of champions from the IPF World Championship. And uh, he's among all, I mean, you've got how many world champions you've dealt with. I don't know if you got the numbers at your disposal. You don't got, this isn't a quiz to pull it up, but you have been with half a dozen or more world champions, world records. I've, I've belted off you guys' resume before, but it's just a ridiculous resume you guys have in a roster of who's who in powerlifting. So for anybody who's interested in either programming or game day strategy, which is extremely important when it comes to the top levels, at this point, look at few years back you might have got away with just made the stronger person win that's not the case anymore you better know your chips you better know how the game is played and um, just even for game day handling for programming for nutrition for water cutting you guys got it all and I feel like every freaking time I have someone from the strength guys I'm like can I get can I get your resume please they got PhDs and masters and I don't know the vetting process you have when you're taking on a coach my friend but it's pretty flipping high <laughs> you got to be a member of nasa to make it on here but um if somebody wants some coaching services how can they reach out to you yeah just check us out at uh, www.thestrengthguys.com uh you'll find most of our content on social media at the strength guys on instagram as well uh and if you want to get in touch with me personally my instagram is at jason tsg on instagram and there you go. And most of your coaches got TSG in their title. And um, also, if you we, you probably noticed, we've been putting together with the Strength Guys the Positions of Power series. And uh, we're giving little tidbits on squat form, bench form, dead, well, deadlift form coming, handling. We're going to hit it all. But let us know. If, we, if there's topics that you want, the pros, the guys who handle the champions, the guys who build the programs from whatever topic it is, I mean, not just technical, but in terms of doing water cuts, in terms of handling, in terms of meat prep, in terms of whatever it is. There's too many possible options. Send it to us. And this is free content we're going to be distributing to you in more exciting announcements in regards to the Positions of Power series and what this may blossom into. But that is some 2020 talk. And, and until then, we're going to leave you hanging. But, uh, my man, thank you very much for joining. Um, I know Matt Gary's got some big shoes to fill. That's what you said when I asked you to come on here. You're like, whoa, man, this is Matt, this is Matt Gary's seat. That's some big shoes to fill. I think you did a phenomenal job. 
Uh, you're up, you're 100% right. Matt Gary's got some big shoes to fill, but you fucking filled them, my friend. You filled them comfortably. You kept the Tootsie Rolls nice and warm in those shoes. Um, you do a bang-up job in terms of your scouting report, and you do a bang-up job in terms of recounting uh, the rundown of the championship. Door is always open. We got to do this again. Thank you very much for having me. Two hours of your time. Much appreciated. I'll let you go. I know you're crazy freaking busy. You got champions to make, right, right my friend? Absolutely. <laughs> you got the SPD Invitational and programming and everything for Taylor and getting everything on point and bringing home the win and collecting big checks. So good luck, my friend. We'll keep in contact. Appreciate it. Thank you. Say bye. And there it is. The European recap. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Everybody was hitting me up. Leading into the World Championships, we had so many Europeans taking world titles and uh, breaking world records and taking medals. And they're like, hey, I didn't hear my name enough on King of Lifts, not the podcast, not as interviews, not in the repost. We need some more love. We're giving you more love. So support it. And, and take this, throw it up in your Instagram stories. Let your friends know. Subscribe. If you're watching it on YouTube, subscribe. If, you, if you're listening to it, subscribe. Tell everybody. Give back. We're going to keep belting off these shows, recap shows, preview shows, and getting these champions, European, national, and world, on the show to tell their story. With no further ado, man, two hours of content. I think we're good from Six Pack Lapidat. Until next time.